Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. We will all live forever somewhere. What happens moments after we die? What is heaven really like? What about hell? Am I good enough? What if I'm not? These questions can leave us wondering, but Jesus has given us hope that we can have assurance of our eternity that allows us to live by faith and not by fear. Enjoy the message. It is important for us, right, as Christ followers, as Christians, to process through the entire idea of the afterlife. A lot of our entire faith is based upon something that we can't see, something, an eternity that awaits us. And one thing that we learned last week was that eternity is forever. And if, if eternity is forever, like, forever is a long time. Like, I haven't quite experienced forever before, but that, that's a beefy time, let me say that. Uh, and so... It's really important for us to process through that and also to be okay and to get ourselves to be comfortable with processing through the idea. Not many people wake up in the morning and are like, man, I'm just going to think about when I'm going to die. People don't do that. Um, but much of our faith is based upon what happens as we move forward to the afterlife. And with there being like this unseen thing that we all have, like I haven't been to heaven, I don't know what it's like. Um, there's an unseen reality just to our world that many of us haven't seen. And, and maybe if you're newer to the faith or um, you recently came back to the faith just, or, as a, or even just you've been in the faith all these years and it's still just a weird thing to like slow down for a second and think about the unseen reality that, because there's, a, there's like a straight up different reality to than what we see in our current perspective, our own eyes. And it's hard to put it into perspective because we can't see it, right? Like, I, I see this bottle of water. I can see it. it. It's easier to put it into perspective. That has to do with the word perspective, right? Um, but it's hard to do that with something that we can't see. And so um, one of the reasons we're doing this entire series is to help us be able to put these things into perspective. And I really hope and I really pray that it can bless you. Um, this week, as Pastor Will just spoke and said, I'm going to be talking about heaven today. And it's the fun one, because Pastor Andy's talking about hell next week, so be in prayer for him, because that's, um, you know, people wake up in the morning and are like, I'm going to talk about hell. No, um, be in prayer for him. I'm excited. That's going to be a really good one. It's a very powerful topic to talk about. We actually, in our youth ministry, just recently talked about hell not too long ago, and God moved in a really powerful way. We talked about letters from hell, and we talked about this idea of, hey, what if you got a letter from somebody you knew in hell? And it was a very deep, like, thing. to It, it, was, it was crazy, and the spirit moved in a great way. Um, but before we fully dive in, I don't want to just get up here and assume everybody knows in full 100% capacity what heaven is. I mean, I, I like to call myself a word junkie. Everybody with me say, word junkie. And it's because many people in our society, like, don't they just throw around words and they don't exactly think through what the implications of words are? Like, I feel like people are either, A, they'll change the definition and make it work to whatever they want it to. Um, but so many people just use words and don't quite think about what it means. And so I'm somebody to where words matter. Like, we just finished our weight of our words series. And we, went, we processed through the fact that there is weight to our words. And so to kick us off this morning, I'm just going to define biblically what heaven is. And so what is heaven? The definition of heaven, um, it can be described as this. The place where God most fully makes known his presence, a Christ follower's destination 
after death. The place where God most fully makes his, known his presence. We can get glimpses of God's glory here on earth, right? Like you just walk outside and you see the intense design that he, and detail that he's put into the entire world. And his, his presence can be known even through that. But in heaven, it's no holds barred. That's going to be God in his most fully known possible way. And when we reach heaven, we're going to be able to see God in that way. And I don't know about you, but I am excited for that. But also with heaven, biblically speaking, you can't exactly make it without knowing Jesus. You don't get to make it to heaven by being Mr. Holy, by being, you know, I'm going to do everything quote unquote right that's good. Um, The only one who is good is Jesus. Amen? And so the only way that you can make it there is if you follow Jesus and you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And so that is what heaven is. A place where God most fully makes known his presence. But that can be, that still doesn't exactly help us, right? You're like, okay, but I've never experienced God in his full presence, so that doesn't help me, Pastor Brandon. So I'm going to help us to start, just everybody put your imagine cap on. Like pretend that you're like, you know, on one of those PBSOs, like, you know, put on your imagine cap. Begin thinking with me for a second. Um, so let's imagine what heaven's going to be like for a second. I mean, people, it's supposed to be an amazing place, right? Um, oftentimes, kind of like when people say they love something, they're like, oh my goodness, I love this pizza. They use love as a describer word, even though if you romantically love the pizza, that'd be very messed up. That'd be very messed up. But people use love as a describer, and people oftentimes also use heaven as a describer. Um, so like, have you ever gone on a really nice vacation before? You came back, maybe it was a cruise, it was an amazing experience, and you were just like, oh my lanta, that was heaven. Or maybe um, you had the best meal you have ever had, and you were like, heaven? That, that was it. That, that's what heaven's going to be like. Yes, Lordy. Um, if you don't know me, I feel like every time I'm up here, I talk about food at some point. Please don't make fun of me. I have a problem. That's why I go on the treadmill. Um, it, it, I like food. It's yummy. Um, But everybody, really quick, can you just entertain me for a second? I want everybody to begin just thinking, using, you know, heaven as a describer, begin thinking about the very best cheeseburger that you have ever had. And if you're vegetarian or something in here, just think about, substitute it for a different food. But everybody, begin thinking, maybe it was a restaurant you went to, you know, you took a bite into that burger and you were like, yes, Lordy, begin thinking. Does everybody have the idea in their head? Does everybody recall the best burger? Raise your hand if you know the best burger in your head. Online, put an emoji. Okay, the few people have the best burger. Um, so for me, when I got married to my wife in 2021, in March 2021, I was able to experience the best burger ever. Um, so when we got married, we, uh, and actually, fun fact, I got married in here before I even um, got hired on as a youth pastor here, and that was how I actually got to know Pastor Andy and my relationship because with him began because he did the premarital counseling for my wife and I, and it was really cool how God worked through that. Um, but so after we got married, I got married in this room, so this room holds a very special place in my heart. Um, we ended up going to Fort Myers, Florida, and the thing about that was I had, up to this point, I had never been on a plane before. And so my wife told me when I was looking outside the window, I was like a little kid. I was like pointing at things. I was like, look, you little clouds. And she was like, yes, Brandon, those are clouds. And she was just, she literally said, I, was, I, I, I popped, it was like 6 a.m. and I was tired, fatigued, but I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. The world has become ants. And 
when we went to Fort Myers, Florida, it was cool because it was like in March, it was still cold here in Wisconsin. And so I got to experience the idea of, wait, there's other places that are still hot, even though like in Wisconsin, it's always cold. Um, but there's this place that my wife and I went, on, went to, and it's a place known as Ford's Garage. I'm not sure, has anybody ever heard of that place before? So it is based off of, it's not Seve or Toyota, it's based off of the burger, not burger, the car brand, you know, Ford. Anybody drive a Ford in the house? Um, any Ford junkies? Let's go. Um, so it was, a ran, it was a random place, but my friend, um, he was just like, hey, dude, when you go there, this is the original Ford's garage, you need to go there, best thing ever. And so you can kind of see the photo right there. You know, it, it's cool to kind of, you know, have like the branding, you're like, onto the bun and everything. And... You might not be able to see it, and there's my beautiful wife. She's very happy. And we had a buffalo chicken dip on the side. It was the best buffalo chicken dip ever, let me tell you. It was called a Roadster Burger. Um, dude, it was so good. It, it might not look, quote, unquote, amazing, but let me tell you, the Lord was in this burger. <laughs> All, like, so, so good. Up until this point, I was like, the best burger I've ever had is Five Guys. And you probably think I'm pathetic for saying that. Um, you know, but then I had this, and I was like, all right, this is different. This is on next level. And then so even, like, um, last year, I think it was last year or a year and a half ago, um, my wife and I were visiting my family in Indiana, and we found out that there was a franchise location of Ford's Garage in Indiana. It was in Carmel, Indiana, and if somebody somehow ends up seeing this from Carmel, Indiana, you need to fix your game. But the burger did not taste anywhere like this. And so I was sitting there hyping up Ford's Garage to my family, and then I brought them there, and I was like, it's just a burger. And I was like, shut up, okay, it's not the same. And I, had to, I needed them to take the, my word for it. Um, so for me, you know, this was, I, I remember saying to my wife, I was like, Alyssa, this is heaven. Like, as I'm just taking bites into it, right? And so many times we can use heaven as a description word for things. That's not like morally wrong or something. But heaven isn't just a description. It isn't just an idea. The craziest part is, is that the best burger you've ever had, the best vacation that you've ever had, the best experience, the highest mountaintop that you've ever been on, that you've ever had, try to picture it, heaven's going to be infinitely better than that. And I can, use, I can use the word infinitely, and that doesn't even get even near the, to the depth and of how amazing heaven's going to be. Heaven's not just a description. It's a reality. And that is something that every single one of us, I, I, I hope and I pray that you're going to be able to walk out of here this morning excited, inspired for this unseen reality that we haven't seen yet, but knowing that that is, if you're a Christ follower, that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have something to look forward to. This life that we're living right here, it's just trial, trial period. It's just part one. We have an eternity that awaits us, and it's not just a description. It's something that's going to be amazing, unbeholden, way beyond anything that you can imagine. And you're going to be able to experience that reality as a Christ follower. And that should excite you. Another thing about heaven is that heaven is a place. It's not just a, like a state of mind. Have you ever heard like any of those Joe Rogan podcasts before? Um, 
I don't exactly recommend listening because his theology isn't quite there. Although I have heard about people, um, he's been having like a bunch of people come share their faith with Joe Rogan. He, he used to be against Christianity, but now he's like way more open. So I think personally God's working on Joe Rogan. Let's pray for that. Um, I'm straight, like it's really cool. Like even Hulk Hogan of all people shared the gospel with Joe Rogan. I was like, what? Um, but he talks about, man, you know, when you die, there's going to be a chemical known as DMT that is, you know, blared into your brain, and then you enter happiness or whatever. It's like, nope. Biblically speaking, it isn't just some, heaven isn't a chemical. It's not a state of mind to where the moment you die, you enter some sort of transcendent equilibrium with the universe, or you become one with the energies that are around you. That's not the biblical reality, church. And there are a bunch of biblical examples, because I don't want to just come up here and give random opinions. We want the Bible to be our foundation. It's not about what I think. It's not about what you think. It's about what is in here. And so I have a few different examples of the Bible describing heaven as a place. It's not exactly, obviously, a place. Like, I can't go underground and then there's heaven. Uh, and, but it's, it's a reality. It's a dimension that's separated from what we can see. Once again, it goes into the idea of it being a, perspe- a perspective thing. It's hard to imagine it. I understand, but stick with me. And so there are multiple different biblical examples. And so, for example, when Jesus ascended into heaven, when he was speaking to the uh, uh, verse 8, verses 8 through 11, it says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The simplest biblical example I can give of it being a place, though, would be in John chapter uh, 14, verse 2, where Jesus says, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And what's so cool about this passage right here, he's describing a place, right? A place, like, that's, that doesn't sound like a state of mind. There is a place that Jesus has created, a place for us. And what's cool about this passage is that it's not just Jesus talking to the disciples. But this is a reality that also applies to us. If you're Christian, God has a place made specifically for you. God loves you so much that he has a room for you. I mean, you can come into church, you can, you can sit down and you can hear that, and it can be kind of weird to think about it. We hear all the time that God loves us, but guess what? He loves you so much that he has a room for you. Isn't that crazy? Designed for you. And so heaven is a place, and God has designed a place for you. You know, I've never been to heaven before. Um, I haven't, I mean, I'm right here talking to you. And so I haven't, I haven't quite died, so I'm here, right? Um, but I don't want to just sit here and emotionalize and fantasize what heaven's going to be like. You know, there, there's some power to that. It's good to feel things, right? There's, there's some health to that. Um, but what I want to do this morning is I'm just going to go, I'm just, this morning's just going to be a bunch of facts about heaven. Is that cool with you? 
Like, I'm going to be bringing forth just what, what are things that we know about heaven? What are things that we can glean from the scriptures that we can pinpoint and say, okay, this is something that we know. There's a bunch of stuff that we don't know about heaven. We're not going to realize it until we get there. But nonetheless, God has given us some little nuggets of things that we can be excited for. And I, I really hope that this blesses you this morning. And some of the things that the first time that you've heard it. Um, there's some certain pieces that are really cool to kind of process through. So be excited. Here we go. Um, what is heaven going to be like? What's it going to be like biblically? Um, and today, just so you know, as I'm approaching this, linguistically, um, the, you know, there is a current heaven that there is right now. But eventually, there's going to be a new heaven and new earth. Um, linguistically, just as, as I approach this, just know um, some of these things such as... Um, in Revelation, there's a verse talking about there will be no more pain, no more tears. Um, that's, when it, that's when it's talking about a new heaven. Um, but if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to experience the new heaven. So as a whole, um, let's just, we're just linguistically going to put it into the same bubble. Sound good? Because if you're going to heaven, you're going to get that. You're going to get the new heaven, which will be even better, which is crazy to think about. Um, but the first thing I want to say about heaven is that heaven is a place, this is going to sound like a slight word salad, is a place of, un, of an unending succession of moments. What does this mean? It is forever. It is unending. It's for eternity. But many times when people think about heaven, they try to put it into a box and they will say, you know, heaven, you know, it is timeless. Maybe this is something that you've fallen into. I, I've fallen into this mindset before of this idea of time just absolutely doesn't exist in heaven. And to an extent, that is true. And if we're going by our own human idea of what time is, the, and there's an entire science behind what time is. Like it, it is the rate of de de decay as thing, of things. So if I put a loaf of bread out on the counter for two years and I come back to it, in two years, is that loaf of bread going to be moldy? Is that loaf of bread going to be the exact same as it was when I first put it there? No. Not too long ago, I actually had like a, I had like a loaf of bread mold for like a month for Rev. It was disgusting. They were like, ew. And I was like, this is what sin does to us. No, not quite. Um, <laughs> but then, um, you know that, lo that, that bread, it's going to mold and decay, Right? Maybe not quite if you take a McDonald's cheeseburger. That lasts a million years, but it's going to decay to some extent. You ever seen those, like, guy, that guy who put a McDonald's cheeseburger in his jacket or whatever, and it was, like, the same after 20 years? It was really weird. Um, but it still decayed to an extent. Um, but in heaven, there's not going to be decay. There's not going to be anything like that. Because heaven, it's going to be perfection. Absolute perfection. But um, it's not going to be, quote, unquote, timeless. It's going to be an unending succession of moments. Scripture doesn't support the idea of timelessness. Um, for something to be timeless, there needs to be a thing known as a sequence of, there, there wouldn't be a thing known as a sequence of events. For there not to be time, there wouldn't be things happening one after the other. If you're just going by, ba ba you know, basic grammar and understandings of what those, those statements of what those words mean. Wayne Grudem, who is a scholar and theologian who Pastor Andy's brought him up before. He's a very smart individual. And I think, Andy, yeah, Andy's actually met him. And I was like, you lucky dog. Um, but 
He mentions in one of his books that all the pictures of heavenly worship in the book of Revelation include words that are spoken one after another in coherent sentences and accents such as falling before God's throne and casting crowns before his throne. And those are things that involve, right, a sequence of events. There won't be such thing as night in heaven in Revelation 21, 25, as some of you have possibly read before. There's not going to be night, in, but just because there isn't night doesn't mean that there's not going to be time. And where things cannot be done one after another. There are too many biblical examples of there being a sequence of events. But this succession of moments, of things continuously happening in heaven, it's going to be for eternity. And so there will be a form of quote-unquote time, but it's going to be much different than how we see and perceive time in our own world today. It's much different. A succession of moments, unending. Another thing in heaven is that we're going to have new glorified bodies uncorrupted by sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-5, through 5, it says this. It says, For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Any of you weary this morning and are just longing to go to heaven to put on this, on this, this glorified body. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these, new, these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And fun fact, if you're a Christian, you have a power within you known as the Holy Spirit, which is an amazing thing. But our current earth, it's corrupted by sin, right? The Adam and Eve, once they ate from the tree, screwed it all up for you and me, as what some people say. Um, our earth is tainted. Our earth is completely corrupted. There is pain. There is suffering. The entire, like, some of the, the hurt that you're going on that is happening in your life, the entire byproduct, that's just a byproduct of the broken world that we live in. And us, oftentimes, especially because we can cause some of our own problems, too, it's because we are corrupt individuals we have corrupt bodies, but in heaven, your body is going to be glorified and uncorrupted by sin. I don't know fully what this is going to look like, but the, the same drawing to sin that, that, that some of us in our flesh, that all of us, because we are all human, that we have to sin right now, it's not going to be the same in our glorified bodies. Because also in those glorified bodies, we're going to be able to see sin 
Because some people might be like, man, I'm not sure God wants me in heaven because I'm still going to be a wild child. Oh, my goodness. But guess what? The way that with the glorified body, the the manner in which you view sin, you're going to begin to see it how God does. We can see some of the disgustingness of sin in our world. All sin, you, you, you can pretty easily see why God says, okay, hey, you know what? Hey, don't get drunk. Hey, you know what? You only save this for marriage. You see why. You can, you can connect why, logically, why those things are sin. But when you're in heaven with your glorified body, you're going to be able to see sin in the, its deepest depravity of how messed up it is. And you'll truly not be corrupted by sin, especially because of how much, of, how much you can see. And so you, you will be good there. And so you're going to have new glorified bodies uncorrupted by sin. When talking about the new heaven, in the book of Revelation, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Some of you are in this room, and you might be going through some of the most stressful situations in your life that you've ever gone through. There's, look around you. There's multiple different lives I represented. There are child drama. There is sibling drama. Some of you might be struggling to even hold on to your job. Some of you might not be able to spend as much time with your spouse as you want, and that's possibly causing some conversations that aren't the best to occur. There, there's depression. You know what you're struggling with right now. You know what your life looks like. I don't know what it is because I'm not you. But I want you to know that that, that thing that you're experiencing, it's going to be gone in heaven. And that's something that you should be longing for. That's something, church, that you should be excited for. I know I'm excited for that. Because sometimes my brain sits there and tells me that, man, I didn't do that good. Oh, man, you know, your lisp. Because sometimes my lisp, I have a slight lisp. If you can't tell how much I'm like the Grinch sometimes, I'm like, hur, hur, hur. and like, you know, there's times where I, I, I beat myself up mentally. There's times I say things I really shouldn't do. There's times I do things I shouldn't do. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the time where that's going to be no more. To where I'm going to, the anxiety that I have here will be gone. Those former things will have passed away. And praise God for that. Additionally, not only is it going to be a place where we're going to have bodies uncorrupted by sin, but heaven is going to be a place of inexplicable joy. I want to do something. Could I have everybody, don't fall asleep on me. you got an extra hour. Can I have everybody um, close your eyes with me for a second? Just everybody, literally everybody in the room, close your eyes with me. I'm going to have you imagine something. So just close your eyes. Online, close your eyes too. Maybe if you're driving, then don't do that. But in your head right now, just really quick, actually physically take a deep breath. And let it out. 
Now, I want you to attempt to imagine, visualize and picture a place that's free of pain, free of sorrow, free of sickness, free of sin. Imagine a place where you have, keep your eyes closed, nothing to fear, no worry of rejection, of people gossiping about you, causing unneeded situations to occur. No worrying about what people think about you. No picking yourself apart. No anxiety, no depression. No failure. No loss. No death. And imagine a place where you can experience perfect Relational intimacy with God. Keep your eyes closed for a second. Now try to imagine still that place where there's no more hiding, no more isolation, no more misunderstandings between individuals when you're talking or misinterpretations. A place of love and unity. A place where true community will occur. You guys can open up your eyes. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like, it's hard to even put that into perspective. And we can only imagine sometimes. But heaven is going to be like that, but even better. In heaven also, we aren't going to be tempted to sin because of our glorified bodies, and we'll, have, we'll see sin how God does, as I said earlier. And also, a fun thing about heaven is that heaven is not going to be a place of boredom. Some of you guys have, you know, um, thought about before, you're like thinking to yourself, oh man, I, I, God, I'm not going to want to go to heaven because I'm going to become, by the way, you don't become some sort of angel when you go to heaven. Um, but some people, are, when they think of heaven, there's like, man, are we just going to be like, hallelujah, for like eternity, on and on. Um, there is going to be much praising in heaven going on. But in, in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, we describe heaven described as a place of, we see the heaven described as a place of joy and eternal pleasures. And also, um, in the book of Revelation, we do see some indications that you are going to work in heaven. And so I know some of you might be like, man, is heaven going to be a nonstop vacation? There, you are, there's going to be forms of work in heaven. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I'm not sure if there's going to be like a heavenly garden that you're tending to or whatever. Um, but you know, there's a difference between work that fulfills you and work that's just work, right? In heaven, the work that you'll be taking part in, it's going to be something that fulfills you. It's not going to be, you know, you know, that overtime extra sift that you had to go into. And by that time, you're just grinding it out. You're doing it just because you have to. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be really fulfilling work. Um, so that's another fun fact about heaven. But then, as you obviously might have already saw on that slide, heaven's going to be a place where we are not going to miss our old lives. Have you ever possibly, like, maybe when you were younger, you... you your parents had to go get a different job or something, life situation, whatever, and you had to move from, a, from maybe a town to a different town, or maybe you had to move entire different states, maybe countries, 
Or maybe you had to switch schools. Like maybe you went from, you know, your elementary school, then you got to middle school, and you're like, take me back to my elementary. This is something else. These people are crazy. And then you are missing where you were beforehand. Heaven's not going to be like that. I know for me, um, I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and let's go Indianapolis Colts. Are they doing okay in the NFL? Is, are they doing okay right now? I haven't kept up. Anybody? Is, is, okay. I, I don't know. So, so is what I know. Um, but is NFL going right now? Is NFL going? Okay, thank you. Um, so is how much I'm paying attention to that. I'm probably paying attention to too much WWE. Oh, my goodness. Or AEW. Um, but um, so in Indianapolis, there was a place. I always called it eight. I always called it Spring. Well, not called it. The, it was a place called Spring Valley Drive in Indianapolis where I grew up. And that, that was, I have so many memories in that place. Um, a few, like a few weeks ago, I was visiting my family in Indiana, and I literally drove back to my old house just to reminisce. I'm already like a nostalgic person. I wonder when I'm older, because I'm only 24, like I wonder how much more nostalgic I'm going to be like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Um, but I was just reminiscing and, you know, having memories. Like there was a big backyard. I was able to jump up. My brother and I would pretend WWE, and even though they said don't practice it at home, we would go on the trampoline, we would throw at each other. There was a huge cornfield in the back that the farmer was, at least I think he was okay, with us traveling in, and then so we were able to do, you know, who would do like toy guns and everything when we were little, and we got to, dude, it was so much fun. Very many memories. There was like a big creek and everything, and I had many memories at that place, and it was a, it was a nice house. Um, but then my family at one point hit a situation to where they had to decide, hey, we need to be thinking about our future. We need to be making an investment now so we can live a better life at a later point. Um, and so my family had to come to the financial decision to downgrade for a season. And so then they, that way, they, they could be better in the future. They had to make that decision. And Mom, if you're watching this, I understand fully why, but I will say I miss slightly the old house at the time, but I fully understand why. Um, and then, you know, when we, we moved to, like, this townhouse apartment, it, it, was, it was fine. Like, there was, like, this random hood gas station I was able to go to. There was this Mountain Dew that had extra syrup in it. It was really good in, like, the fountain machine. But um, in India, like, it was, it was, when I was there, I would sit there and I would miss the old place in heaven you're going to have zero of that effect. You're not going to be going, going to be like, man, I really miss what I was able to do when I was living in Canosa. Man, I really miss my life on earth. Heaven, this is nothing in comparison to what I had down there. You're not going to have that effect. You are going to be fully satisfied in heaven, church. The deepest desires, the, the deepest crevices in your heart are going to be filled when you are in heaven. There will be zero missing of your old life. You will be satisfied. Hear me right now. You will be satisfied. Additionally, in heaven, heaven is going to be a place where we will see one another. Some people think that heaven's going to be some place to where there's going to be some sort of mass memory wipe to where like... Um, uh, of like when it comes to thinking of seeing friends, friends and people, family members, they, they think that you're not going to be able to remember them. They think that maybe, you know, you die, you know, and then you are in heaven. There's going to be like some sort of, I don't know, robotic thing that they put on your head. It's like angels like, all right, come here. And then 
puts it on your head, sucks away all your memories of friends and family. There's no scriptural indication of that. That's not going to happen. In Isaiah 65, um, 17, it mentions us not remembering former things, right? We, we, we possibly heard of that verse. But that is especially more so in reference to things such as sin, not exactly when it comes to friends and family. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote, was writing in his letter to the Thessalonians, he anticipated having a heavenly reunion with the Thessalonians. And also, Abraham. Abraham, the Bible describes and says that when he died, he was gathered to his people. And I don't know about you, but like, if he was gathered to his people and he didn't remember who they were, that kind of gets rid of the, 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 there's no reason for that. He was gathered to his people. And so we see more scriptural indications that you're going to be able to remember your friends and family when you're there. And so I just want to remind some of you in here, for those of you who possibly had maybe a best friend, maybe a grandmother or mother who you were very close to, and they passed away, somebody you know who passed away, if they were a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be solidified and be joyful in the fact that you are going to be able to see them again. That your last conversation with them was not it. But truly, you'll see them again. In eternity, not just in this part one that we're living in. And so be excited for that. Be excited for that. Heaven, like, it's going to be, I didn't even scratch the surface, honestly, on how amazing it's going to be. It's going to be transcendent. And my final point for you this morning is that we should long for heaven. We should have a deep longing within our hearts for it. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So church, I just have one question for you this morning. Actually, technically a few, but... Where are you placing your treasure? Begin to think about that right now. If you had to look at your entire week, your life, and you look at how you're spending your time, what is it reflectant of? Is it reflectant of somebody with a longing of heaven? Or is it just reflectant of a person who doesn't have a longing for heaven. Maybe you're, you've been so caught up in the busyness of life, of the family drama, the anxiety, that you haven't been walking with this longing. And I want to encourage you this morning and let you know that God wants to help you to bring back that childlike longing 
for the future and what's to come. Where's your heart been lately? I don't know what all of you guys have been struggling with. But a really good indicator is always just reflecting upon, okay, within a week, where's my time been? Well, what will really put you in your place, for some of you especially, is if you open up your phone and see, you see your screen time for the week. I know the iPhones will say that. Is that reflectant of somebody who's lawning for heaven? In your life, are you living with a kingdom-minded perspective? What does this mean? When you're walking outside, when you're doing this thing called life, when situations arise, when somebody gossips about you, when somebody does something that they really shouldn't do, when, when something in life just happens, what's your immediate response? We have, and you know, we are broken people. We're not going to be perfect, correct? But do you look at things in the ways that God sees them or try to see, okay, what would God think about this? Are you thinking about in the grand scheme of things, what does this mean? Or are you being so fixated and possibly emotional in the moment instead of looking at it in the way, saying, you know what? what? What way does God see this? We need to be willing to let ourselves be challenged and say, okay, God, I am angry about this. This person hurt me in a really hard way. But God, give me your, your eyes so I can see this in your way. And many times when we do that, when we live with a kingdom-minded perspective, many of the things that in the grand scheme of life don't matter because we spend a lot of our time worrying about things that don't matter, right? We can put it into the new perspective and then we can actually focus on what matters. Is heaven on your mind? And if heaven is on your mind, the response that it should have out of us should be a motivation to share our faith with others. I don't know if some of you are pre-trib, post-trib, whatever, but take one look. Our world is hurting big time. And our mission as Christ followers is to share our faith, is to go into our Jerusalem, which is our area, Judea, Samaria, and to make disciples of all nations. Allow this fact that there's a heaven that's coming. Put a new desire to share your faith. I truly think that sometimes, especially if you can come into church and you hear, oh man, I'm supposed to, yes, grab an invite card. You know, I need to, okay, I get it. You know, share, share my faith, yes. We can almost get numb to that. You can hear it so often. And my question is, are you actually practicing that? And if you haven't been, Hold on to this longing for heaven and allow that to be the driving force as you're sharing your faith with your friends. Do you want to see your friends experiencing this place of inexplicable joy with you? Do you want to see them in a place where there is no pain, no suffering, no anxiety? If that is the case, then get uncomfortable and share your faith. There's invite cards all around this room. You can invite them to church. 
in those uncomfortable moments to where you don't, wouldn't have expected possibly at your job to share your faith, I'm going to be in prayer that God brings those moments to your head. That when you are in a conversation, that the Holy Spirit will give a whisper and will say, hey, you can talk about me here. What does that look like for you in your life? Let this idea of heaven, this fact, this reality of heaven motivate you, Kenosha City Church. And I am excited that I'm going to be able to go to heaven and spend it with many of you guys. This is going to be, it's going to be amazing. But I also want to throw out there and reemphasize, especially for those of you who are in this room who maybe haven't quite believed in God before. You haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to reemphasize that you can't make it to heaven without placing your life in Jesus' hands, without believing in what he did. Every time I'm up here, I say this, and I will continue to say this, but there was a period in my life where I was like, where I was, I was an atheist, and I didn't tell my friends or family that I was wrestling with some of this stuff because I was embarrassed of it, but I did not want to believe in God at all. And what had happened was I threw everything on the table, all the history of religion, human history, the science, and the more questioning and the digging I did, it led me back to Jesus. Not too long ago, did you know that the eyewitness accounts in the book of John, I think it was like 67 of the eyewitness accounts, or 67 scholars, confirmed the historical accuracy of the, the accounts, uh, the eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did in that book. You know how if you go to a courtroom and you, you're cross-examining different people's, different witnesses' testimonies, you can kind of see the things that don't line up? Well, guess what? In the book of John, it is solid. It lines up. And you know what? There's a reason for that. Because Jesus Christ really did die on the cross for your sins and rise in three days. This morning can be the moment. Can I just have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes across this room? I'm going to be asking you a few questions. And I'm going to be asking you to raise your hand. And there's nothing magical about raising your hand. You're not going to start levitating randomly. But it can be a really powerful form of self-reflection and commitment. I know Andy usually says, look up at him. I like to do the hand raise, so... Um, if you're in this room and you haven't committed your life to Jesus, let me tell you that he really did die on the cross for your sins and rose in three days. And he loves you more than you'll ever know. And he can forgive you for every wrong thing you've ever done. And you can have peace by placing your soul in his hands. If you want to declare for the first time, for the first time, that you believe in Jesus Christ, you want to place your life in his hands, with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in three, two, one. If you're in this room and you rose your hand, I, I, I just, 
right now, maybe even either out loud or within you, begin to tell Jesus that you believe in him. Make it a personal conversation. I can't do it for you. Begin to have that conversation. Say, Jesus, I accept what you did. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you got nail-pierced hands, that you rose in three days, and that I can't make it to heaven through my own good works. I can only make it to heaven through you. And so Jesus, tell him that you place your life in his hands. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to wash you. And ask him to cleanse you and make you new. I have another question for those who are in this room. If you're in here and you have been in the midst of heavy anxiety or hardship or something that's hard that's just occurring in your life and you want to ask God to fill you with a new longing for heaven with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in three, two, one. Hands all around. So Lord God, help us to be a church that longs for you. God, help us long for the afterlife. And God, I pray that you'll fill us up with strength as we continue to live this life that is so hard. God, I pray for perseverance for everybody in this room. And God, I pray that you use us in a new way to share your message. Lord God, thank you and we praise you so much that you have prepared a place for us. Lord God, I ask that that excites us this morning. God, I, I, I ask for heavy motivation. Holy Spirit, move through each and every single one of these congregants, God. Fill them with a drive. Fill them with a fire and a new longing for the afterlife. In your glorious name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.